Just a family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, as well as creator and founder of Just a Live TV and the Women's Sporting Women Can Network. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be young and successful because who doesn't want to be young and successful, right? Um, our episode is sponsored today by Phoenix Identity, helping you create an identity or not create an identity, but claim your individual identity and create a life that is beneficial, makes you happy, and really just identifies who you are, you know, self-expression. Go check them out. Link in the description. Um, if for anybody watching or catching the replay, please, please go and like and follow and share. Catch us on all of our streaming platforms. All of our accounts have actually just been posted today on our Facebook page. Um, so go and check a, check a look, take a look at that. Sign up for our newsletter at justalivetv.com. Our co-host or our guest speaker today is none other than Abe Chance, who is young and successful. So Abe, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I don't know necessarily what qualifies someone as young and successful. I'm sure both are relative terms, but um, for context, I'm 19 years old. I've graduated college. I've started my own business. I've bought my own house just a couple, you know, just earlier this week. You know, basically, uh, I'm here in the southern U.S. A lot of the things that people see as kind of outward success have already happened for me at 19. So success is a weird thing, though, because as soon as you feel like you've met other people's standards of success, you're like, where do we go from here? And other people's standards of success are always going to be increasing throughout your life. So you're never you're never going to feel like you're successful if you're going by someone else's standards. So really what I've uh, decided to do and part of what makes me quote young and successful is that I'm going to use my own definition of what success is. Right. So uh, John Wooden, a famous basketball coach for UCLA for a long time, he defined it as giving it 100%. And I feel like, you know, I've, I've accomplished all these things so far, but I'm nowhere close to 100% through with my life. And I'm obviously nowhere close to 100% of my potential, of my potential, right? So basically trying to fill your potential and let that overflow to other people, that's what success really is. So that can be achieved no matter how old you are, whether, you know, you're younger than me or older than me. It doesn't matter as long as you are fulfilling your potential at the moment, right? I absolutely love that. And <clears throat> I, I went on TikTok. I shared a TikTok about our episode. I got my 12-year-old involved because it is. It, we, we have this idea or society has this idea of what it looks like to be successful individually, right? Or, or as a society. So you have my 12 and 7-year-old daughters who their idea of success is being a YouTube star. Right. Right. Because that's what they see. That's what they're, you know, they're, I'm not going to lie. They're on tablets and they, you know, watch on their phones and all of that stuff. So their idea of success is, you know, being a YouTube star where for my generation and, and you are the same age as my oldest son. So 
But for my generation, it was, you know, you had to get a full-time job and you had to be successful in your career. It wasn't success in, in life. It was success in career because I was born and raised by a boomer. And I find that a lot of the boomer um, generation didn't prepare for their retirement, didn't prepare for when, you know, their, so their focus was career um, and creating a stable career. So they wanted us to do different. And so you have a unique situation too, though, is you are one of 11 children. Yeah. Yeah. So I can talk about that a little bit. First off, like my parents are the best. I don't think, I mean, obviously I wouldn't be here without them. And I definitely wouldn't be anywhere close to any sort of success without them. So um, my parents were both, are both from the South. They're both from Mississippi. Um, and my dad is a pastor. My mom is a serial entrepreneur. She started what, uh, three businesses at this point. Um, some of them have, have closed down just so she can move on to the next project. She's always going. My dad, as a pastor, has started a church. So um, they're awesome. And there's 11 kids. So from the very beginning, my mom was just, she decided that she wasn't going to do like her parents were because they're very much like what you're talking about, looking at career as kind of the focus of life, both her mom and her dad, there was no, there wasn't always room for God. There wasn't always room for family. There wasn't always room for enjoyment. There was just the career. She was like, well, we're not going to do that. So from the very beginning, she stayed home with us and she homeschooled us, taught us how to read at ages like three and four, you know, um, back whenever there were fewer of us. Now it takes a little bit longer just because her time is, is spread out. There were so many people. But um, yeah, she she gave us our whole education from by homeschooling. Uh, she went to college to be an educator. So she was like, might as well just teach my kids. And, um, you know, I'm going to not get political or super spiritual, but she didn't like the way the school system was headed. So she was just like, let's do homeschooling. I can teach my kids what we value, what we want. And that's where a lot of the, my definition of success, for example, comes from is them saying, you know, we're going to do things differently. And our version of success doesn't look like what other people tell us what it is. Right. So as far as having a living siblings, um, I'm the oldest, me and my twin brother. So I have a twin brother who is my partner in everything that I do. Uh, he can't be here today. But um, basically, we did everything together. We're the oldest. That means we're the guinea pigs. Everything was tried out on us. Yeah. Um, it, all the oldest siblings out there feel that. But um, And then there's seven girls and four boys total. And the youngest right now are also twins. They're both, uh, they're both daughters, uh, girls, however you say it, you know, um, they're both girls and having twin sisters as the youngest makes me, you know, gives me a great connection to them. Cause I want to be able to, if I can show my younger siblings what is possible, then as the oldest, I can set the expectation for where they're going to go with their lives. And that doesn't mean that they have to do, they have to copy me in any way. They have to do what I do. They have to start a business. They have to have financial success. But what it does mean is that if I set the expectations high, they will rise 
to meet this, right? So that's that's another part of my motivation for you know getting out of college early, um, you know, starting my own business very young, doing, uh, you know, getting into sales. I'm super into sales. Look, teaching myself as much as I can, making connections. My motivation behind that is boosting my siblings giving them expectations to live up to in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So instead of expectations, you could, you could do examples, right? Because as parents, right. you're, you're not a parent yet at 19, hopefully. Uh, if not, then that's totally fine. Right. There's no yeah. judgment on this show. Um, <laughs> but what the great part about that is you are the example, right? And I know from my experience, I have four children and with my four, my oldest two are the examples, right? Of, hey, maybe don't do it this way, or maybe do do it this way. And, you know, they create that example, right? Um, instead of buying houses, my 19-year-old <laughs> my buys cars. And that's his, right? That's his success. He likes buying cars and fixing them up and doing that. So it's, it's interesting. I, I think what I wanted to showcase on this episode is just the fact that, you know, it is possible. It's possible. And you're, you yeah. and your twin are living proof of that, that it is possible. And you know what? I probably love your mom. <laughs> just yeah. Real business. Yes. Owner. I have six. So um, her and I would get along quite great on that, on that yes. aspect. Um, but it is. So what, <sighs> So what did, I could ask how your childhood was growing up, but it sounded like it was pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Let, you want me to kind of give some of my story about how I got here and, okay. and that kind of stuff? Okay, cool. So what I'll tell you is something that is probably hard to hear and is that success is actually very easy. What do I mean by that? Well, it means a lot of people are going to tell you that success is hard. It's a grind. You have to put in the work. All these things are true that you have to grind. You have to put in the work. You're probably going to have to do boring stuff day in and day out. But actually, success is very easy because what is it really? It's just doing a few things that are easy to do day in and day out, day after day after day, and boom, you're successful. And it takes a long time to get there. Here's the thing is that the reason that so many people are not successful is that it's easy not to do, right? So it's easy to do. It's also easy not to do. So for me, a lot of growing up, academic success is what I was chasing after. But all that meant was literally being homeschooled is great because that means that you can, uh, whenever you're done with your work, you can go do whatever you want because you're already at home, right? No need to wait for the pickup line, wait on the bus, you know. Um, you can do whatever you want uh, after you're done, no, obviously within reason. But um, basically what we did is my mom said, this is your work. I'm going to teach you your lessons. And from about eight to nine every morning, she taught us all of our lessons in math, English, spelling, et cetera, et cetera. And then our goal was always to get done with schoolwork by lunchtime. Some days when you had to write an essay, you, it took till night. Most days we were able to finish by, um, by lunchtime. And it was easy because we just did the work because you just do it and it's done and it's easy. 
So what that meant was the rest of the day, we have to find ways to entertain ourselves. And uh, we, we lived on a dead end street for years and years and years. And the rule was you can't go past the end of the street. So that means that on this little street, we had to figure out what to do. And that means that me and my brother, we just read books all the time because there was nothing else to do. We weren't allowed to have, I mean, iPhones weren't even that big at the time, uh, you know, when we were young, but even later on, we didn't, we weren't allowed to have those things. Um, just now, like I'm watching so many movies for the first time, you know, at, at 19 years old, like, uh, all we watched growing up was like star Wars movies once a year or something like that. You know what I mean? But, um, what happened was as we did the easy things day after day after day, just do your schoolwork. Then our parents, what I realized looking back is that they incentivized us to do other things that would make us successful. So reading, they incentivized us to read um, by saying, you can't go past the end of the road, but here, my dad would just give us books that he, that he liked. So he'd just give us books. So we were incentivized to read by the example of our parents and by what they were, by the constructive limits that they were putting on us, right? So they incentivized us to read. That was great. They also incentivized us to be active. So every afternoon at around three o'clock, my mom was super tired from running a business and taking care of the babies and homeschooling. So she said, everyone go outside. I'm taking a nap. You can stay in the yard. Okay. This is not parenting advice. I'm just saying this is what we did and it's turned out all right so far. So um, basically she said, go outside. You are not allowed to come inside. Well, the only things to do outside were monkey bars, you can play tag. We had to be active. We had to. No other, no other thing to do. So, well, now we are all great readers. We are all active all day. So um, we're all in pretty good shape. So, and then con if, um, continuing on, she always incentivized us to be creative. So we took piano lessons, but if we didn't like piano, then she would say, well, what? do you like that's going to make you creative and we would figure out so so now i play guitar and bass now all of my siblings are musicians but me and my twin brother are and uh, one of our sisters plays piano pretty well another sister sings pretty well but another sister she ices cakes she um you know she, she does frosting on cakes and does like these amazing artwork with cakes another sister bakes you know she uh, one of the businesses bakery. So I think it's a logical flow, but like she makes these awesome croissants. She makes cookies. She makes cakes. She tries out different recipes. So each one of us has our own different way of being creative. We are always incentivized to be creative. So we're incentivized to learn, incentivized to be active, incentivized to be creative. And that spilling over every day we are active and learning and creative. And if we're doing that every day, what do you think happens? Just imagine if you were active for an hour every day and if you were learning for, of, your, of something that you wanted to learn by yourself for a couple hours every day and you were incentivized to do something creative and you did something that you loved and were creative at every single day, where would your life be after 19 years from now? After just a year from now, your life would probably be better. Well, our parents just created this Lim these limits or really these guardrails 
to focus our energy onto the things that were going to spur us toward being productive and successful. So basically what I've achieved, this is not a bragging session. This is for inspiration purposes, right? But um, basically the way my life has gone is um, at, at a very early age, I've always been personable talking to adults. Our parents made us make us all talk to adults um, from the time we're very, very young. So that by the time I was nine years old, some, some of my best friends were in their sixties. Others are my, like my best friends that like, you know, let, let me go hang out with Mr. Steve. He's 65. You know, let me go hang out with Tony. He's 30 and he just started business. Let me go hang out with Paul. Um, Paul is the guy who did our gardening before. And then he turned his life around and started a huge Amazon business. Well, let me go hang out with Paul. And these are the guys who I just wanted to hang out with. Let me go hang out with Miss Deborah, you know, um, all these people. So that was one thing that was started out as a successful thing early on in my life. But then I graduated high school a year early with a year of college credit. Um, one of my favorite stories is in a communication class. I was in high school. I was 15 years old. We took a college communication class to knock it off of the college list, right? Well, it was an honors class. We were 15. Everyone, we came in, everyone thought that we were freshmen. Everyone thought that we were 18, 19, because um, we gave great speeches and they found out that we were 15. They're like, whoa, that's amazing. At the end of the class, I'll never forget it. We, our honors assignment was to judge a speech competition of high school seniors. So all these high school seniors are coming up and giving their best speeches. And we were the judges. And I was two years younger than all the people that I was judging. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that, that was so funny to me um, that, that they considered me a, a good enough speaker. I, I was operating at a high enough level to be the judge of people who are significantly older than me. And like, this has been their work for years and years and years. You know what I mean? So that was really cool. Moving on, graduated high school a year early with a year's worth of college credit, um, went into college full force. I have worked a job ever since I was 15. At one point I had three separate little jobs. They were all part-time. I had three jobs and college to do. So working a lot, but also I was on the church band. I was um, doing things that I wanted to do. I was, uh, I learned how to do like these calisthenics. Um, I'm super into calisthenics. So handstands, muscle ups, backflips, stuff like that. I'm doing this stuff in my spare time, which I don't have a lot of, you know what I mean? So, and I think it's really because of the environment that my parents were able to create the great thing is if you didn't grow up with the perfect environment, you can always create your own environment, you know, um, by choosing who you surround yourself with, providing incentives for yourself. So if you wanted to incentivize yourself to be creative, um, you know, go ahead and give, give yourself a date. If you want to learn how to sing, say, I'm going to attend this open mic night and I'm going to sing then. Or if you want to learn how to um, play an instrument, you're going to go to this uh, open mic night, you're going to go to this community event and I'm going to play there. You know what I mean? You set up these incentives in this environment for yourself. And that's how you can achieve the same results. 
because they're the results that you choose. Does that make sense? Uh, that was a super long story and, and long winded, but hopefully there was some value there. There absolutely was. And I love that you shared all that. And I, and thank you for sharing all that. Your, your parents sound like they did what most parents should do. And that is create a space where you learn responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Getting everything that you need to do, getting it done and just doing it and having it done. Right. Because even in my own house, um, one of my, one of my old friends taught me a long time ago that my children are part of my home. They're a part of my family. They should be helping as a part of that family, right? Your chores are your chores because you are a fully functioning part of that family and you need to yes. contribute to that family. And so chores for us are your way of contributing as a whole to our family unit. Um, not only does that create, you know, rules, rules and responsibility, it also controls accountability, motivation. Um, all of that comes into creating routines and roles and, and responsibilities for your children. And you had that, right? Where you were homeschooled. So even more so at home, right? If you got your schooling done, if you got your chores done, then you were, you know, taught to be creative. And that's a huge thing. So responsibility, accountability, and creativity, not only do you have all those three from, from the way you were raised, but you also have the yearning to learn. Yes. Right. And when you, so dedication, motivation, accountability, responsibility, and the, and the motivation to learn, those all create that that's a formula for success. Yes. Right. And once again, it's done consistently over time, right? You do all those, you have all those for one day. Every, I think everyone, maybe even after the watching this podcast or listening, whenever they're going to do it, they're going to wake up the following day with motivation. Then the next day they might not have it. Well, honestly, you're at wherever you're at in life because of yourself and not because of anything that's out there. You know, it's, it's only you. And you mentioned responsibility earlier. Yes. Um, my parents taught us that we are all 100% responsible for where you are right now. But here's the great thing is if you have been taking responsibility, you can take responsibility now to get to where you want to be. And then success doesn't become a motivation issue. You know, it's not a motivation issue. It's a duty. You are responsible for getting yourself certain results that you have promised yourself. And those results are like we talked about earlier, hitting the potential, hitting your potential, whatever you think that potential is. And obviously the higher up you go, the more you'll be able to see what you can do. Right. So you know, you are responsible for getting there yourself. You're responsible for your actions and success becomes less of a motivation issue, more of a duty and a responsibility that you have to yourself. If you don't view it that way, then you will not be able to keep it up long-term. Um, this is also why like Melissa, what stuff like what you do, um, like sort of what my dad does as a pastor, why people do people have coaches, when you have someone who's outside of you holding you accountable, then it is really also a duty and responsibility to that person. And that kicks you out of motivation, uh, you know, out of the motivation slumps, right? Where you don't have it. 
So for me, it's always been my parents. Now that I am recently moved out, recently starting my own business, recently um, my own man, I have to hold myself accountable. And that is hard. So what I'm doing right now is even reaching out to other people who are, we are creating a community at our house, you know, where we are all holding each other accountable for reaching our potential. And that's still in the works, but, but that's, that's why coaches and stuff are important. And, um, I've had a business coach before, super helpful. Um, I highly recommend stuff like that. This is not, you know, promotional in any way. It's just, you need it outside accountability because success is your duty and responsibility. And if you aren't treating it that way, then that's on you, you know, uh, that's on you to get the results that you want. So, yeah. And it becomes a habit, right? Um, you were talking about, you know, having accountability, but before that you were talking about waking up in the morning and saying, Oh, Hey, you know, um, you watch this video and then you're like really motivated to get things done, especially if the younger crowd, right. Especially for your generation, even my daughter's right. generation, when you see this video and you see yourself who is one of 11 children, <laughs> 19 yeah. graduated college, run your own successful business and just bought a house. That's empowering, right? Even just sharing your story is empowering. Right. But then there's things that go with it. There's you holding yourself accountable. That's you waking up every morning, even if you're feeling not motivated. Right. You don't have to be doing all the things every day. If you wake up one morning and you're feeling tired and your body is saying, you know what, I just I need a day. Give yourself that day. But do something throughout that day. So if you don't want to be physically active that day, do something on the computer, do something at home, do something with your friends or your family, right? Do something else that's still productive. Yes. Right. And um, a recommendation for what it's worth, a recommendation that I have is get someone who, uh, a problem that my brother and I ran into his name is Jake so I'm just going to call him if you hear me mention Jake and I forgot to say my twin or my brother um that's who I'm talking about but we encountered a problem where we were letting each other off the hook for doing either doing things that we weren't supposed to be doing or for not doing things that we were supposed that we should have been responsible for so we were letting each other off the hook for that what you really need to find is someone who is not going to let you go. Someone who, um, and that's, that's the way good parents should be. So if you're, you're a parent, you want your kids to be successful. I mean, don't like, you can give them a long leash to be creative, but like you have to um, discipline your children. However you see fit, you know, you aren't going to go spank your 16 year old. That'll be, silly but you know you have to discipline your children you have to put them in the right environment you have to um you like you have to make them feel the pain of what they um of of their failures if they if they fail to do something that is their responsibility you have to make them feel that if they don't feel it already if they do what my dad used to do 
is uh, he would spank us. Some people are against that, but uh, we're a conservative Christian family, so uh, we got spanked when we were young. Their you know? own. If somebody uh, doesn't like that, that is their opinion. Yeah, that exactly. So, uh, but what he would do is he would sit us down and he would explain what we had done or not done, why that was the wrong way to go about it, and explain what the solution was, which was probably like, you didn't listen to your mother when she said, do this. The solution for you would have been to do that. And you wouldn't be in trouble right now. Can you see that? And we go, yeah. And then a lot of times he would say, I'm not going to spank you today. We would go, oh, yeah. So he showed us mercy, but he also made us feel the pain of shirking our responsibility. Does that make sense? It's not about inflicting pain. It's not about beating someone down. It's about making them feel motivation to do something and not letting them have any excuses because excuses abound. So uh, back to my anecdote about me and my brother, we decided that we would no longer let each other off the hook. So we submitted a daily schedule to each other that we had to follow and we would submit it to each other every day. And at the end of the day, we would say, Hey, you said you were going to make 20 prospecting calls. Did you do it? I made 19. Is that what you say you were going to do? No. Okay. Well, um, there's no punishment. Is You just have to take responsibility for it. Next time you're going to do what you say, right? Yeah, I'm going to do what I said. You know. So you need someone like that, if you're older or younger, who's not going to let you off the hook. And if you're someone who's in a position of authority over someone else, you're a boss, you're a parent, you're an older sibling, if you're an older sibling, you have to be very careful about how you approach it. But um, if you are a spouse, you know, come up with an agreement with that person that you are not going to let them off the hook. Make sure they're on the same page and make sure that you are holding them responsible because you are responsible for them. You know what I mean? Yep. That's something that being an older sibling has taught me. You are responsible when someone is in your care, like when I'm babysitting my younger siblings. When someone's in your care, you are responsible for whatever happens. Anything that happens, it's on you. You know what I mean? So just extreme ownership, extreme ownership and responsibility yeah. are so key. With my children, the, the way that we do that with my children is I ask nicely, hey, can you empty the dishwasher? That's one of my children's chores. So, hey, can you empty the dishwasher? I just did the dishwasher. It's clean. Can you empty it? Um, so there's two ways this can go. So it's either, yeah, I'll yeah. go do it. Um, yeah, give me five minutes or no response. Now, if I have to ask again, then it's okay. Um, I already asked you to do the dishwasher. I'm asking you this time, if you don't do it, or if I have to ask you again, this is going to be the follow through with on my end. And I always give them that follow through. And again, somebody else taught me that because I had lost control of my children at one point. Um, but she taught me that, yeah, you ask nicely the first time. Obviously, we want mutual respect, right? We all, no matter how old or how young we are, we want mutual respect. And the first yes. step of that mutual respect is you have a responsibility to empty the dishwasher. As a part of this family, as a part of this household, I need you to do the dishwasher. If I have to ask again, you know what? 
I noticed you haven't done the dishwasher yet. Here's, here's what's going to happen if I have to ask you again. And then it would be, you know, I'm going to take your phone away or, you know, you're going to be, I'm going to add a chore on or whatever, whatever the punishment or, or consequence is at that point. Right. And if I have to ask the third time, it's okay, do it now. No excuses, but this is also what's going to happen. And it's holding you accountable, right? That's and right. I love that you said that because it is holding you accountable. We, there are consequences of actions and there's consequences of inactivity. That's right. Yeah, that is a big point. And, you know, um, I, I really love what you said about mutual respect. My mom, the way she would always do it is she would ask first. She would ask you to do it. She wanted to teach us how to be sacrificial and how to uh, be selfless and how to um, do things for other people, even if you didn't want to do it at the time, you know, to serve others. So she would ask us first. Well, no, actually, it was before that she would hint that she needed it done. So her process was always, it was always, to take your example, the dishes, um, the dishes are someone, someone's going to have to unload those. I'm feeding the babies right now. She just say it as kind of an announcement to let us know, Hey, someone needs help. Well, if there was nothing, no response, then she would ask us to do it. And then she would tell us to do it. I'm your mother. You do what I say. She would tell us to do it. And then if we didn't do it at that point, obviously consequences, we always did it at that point because, um, we had a very healthy respect and fear of our father um, just because, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I'm, I'm the healthy fear. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, and like that, that is not, um, I think that reflects very well on a parent. If, if your children have a very solid and deep respect and a healthy fear of you, especially from a young age, that is, a sign of a good parent, you know, by healthy, I mean, they can still approach you about anything that they need to, even about very embarrassing things, Absolutely. you know, um, they are not afraid of how you will react, but they are only afraid of, of consequences for doing what is what they know to be wrong. Uh, that's what I mean by healthy fear. So, um, but by giving us the hint, what she would do is afterward, after she commanded us to or asked us to, and we started doing it. She would say, Hey, earlier I said I needed it done. Next time, let's try to serve others more and, um, and hop on it before I even have to ask you. So nowadays, you should see it in our house. If, um, if mommy says, uh, I'm feeding the babies right now, like, it doesn't even say that anything needs to be done like stuff in the house just starts to get cleaned up all the, all over the place. Um, bathrooms suddenly become sparkling and smell great. And all the dishes in the sink get, end up in the dishwasher, all the dishes in the dishwasher end up in the cabinets and supper's prepared. And before you know it, everything's done because 11 kids, uh, a lot of pairs of hands make light work. You know what I mean? So um, all she has to do is hint and everyone's ready to serve because she's built it into us to um, throughout the, just throughout a very, very long amount of time that this is what you need to do. You need to not only obey, you also need to serve. So 
Um, we're still working on that. Obviously, everyone's still working on well, being service oriented. You know? Right? We we absolutely should obey the law and obey the rules that are set out before us, um, and obeying and respecting other people's boundaries. Right? Um, but when it comes to service, there there is a nice healthy boundary, and and it can go. You know, it can weevil wobble that boundary, but when we're being of service, there is still that boundary of, am I comfortable doing this? Is it, you know, the boundary isn't, is, is a little bit farther over for our parents than it is yeah, than no, for a stranger. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's, it, and I'm just saying, I'm just asking the question of you, I, I'm assuming that you have that healthy boundary, right? And even in your life and your business, you do fight for what you want, fight for what you um, need. And if something is outside of your comfort, you will say no. Yeah. So th- that is a great point. Um, you know, you, you have autonomy, no matter how young you are, you know, no matter mm-hmm. if you're at a workplace where your boss is very controlling, no matter what it is, if you feel like you don't have control, you do. Um, and truly service is not about, um, lacking control. It is, it is about using your resources for someone else's betterment in a way that you are confident will make them you know, will improve their situation. You know what I mean? Without them having to ask you, you know, just being service oriented. So yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I, the other thing too, and, and I know we've kind of gone on a, on a parenting tangent for a second, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it works because these are the things that also help taught, teach you how to be young and successful. And one of the things that I want to point out is, is the mutual respect and, and the um, autonomy of, of being an individual, because I'm an identity coach. So I believe that we're all individual, individual, unique beings. Um, but going hand in hand with the mutual respect is if, say in your case, right, with your mom and the piano, right? If you want to take piano lessons here, try the piano. If you don't like it, Okay. I had noticed that even in my own house with my 12 year old, because she's at that stage where she doesn't want to do anything. um, If I ask her to do something and she's like, Kate, I need five minutes. I have to respect that. Right. Because if I'm busy doing something, hence the show, if I'm doing the show and one of my daughter needs my attention, I, I ask them to wait. Right. And I tell them I need five minutes or I need 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it may be. And they have to wait and respect that because I demand that respect. But at the same time, if you're asked to do something, they you have to be given that that same mutual respect as well. Again, within reason. Right. If I ask you to do something and say, oh, you know what, Abe, I'm can you meet me five minutes before the show? (laughs) Which is usually what I ask Uh, people, right? Um, If you had said, hey, you know what? I'm actually, I'd I'd love to, but I'm running about five minutes behind, right? Communication, mutual respect, right? Right. You have to be willing to ask the person. And I think this goes hand in hand with with being successful. Don't ask others what you're not willing to provide. 
Yes. Right. Yep. That, that is expect, a good one. And don't expect from others what you're not willing to provide. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I, the, the only thing that I would add to that, which I, I totally agree is um, I would add to that. You must be willing to go above and beyond what others are if you're to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had a summer. I never had a summer off of school after I was 14 years old. I never had a summer off. Um, if you want to graduate three years early, you have to do school during the summers, you know, um, it's just part of it. You know what I mean? So if you're, uh, the only way to get, or if you're going to get ordinary results is by doing ordinary things, if you're going to get extraordinary results, you have to do something that is extraordinary. Does that make sense? Even if it's just extraordinary for you. Right. And, and that is to, you know, if you're going to get extraordinary results for you, if you're going to get extraordinary results for anyone out there ever, you know, you're going to have to do things that people haven't even, you know, go links that people haven't been able to go in the past, you know, like my show. <laughs> right. Right. First ever, first ever live stream talk show across right. the world globally. Um, it is. Yeah. It, you do need to do things extraordinarily because, you know, in order to change not only your life, but the world, it's, and that depends on your goals. But I think to be young and successful, going back to our topic is yeah, yeah. One, um, for me, what I would, what I would suggest to my own clients is number one, knowing who you are, right. Knowing what, what feeds your soul and your spirit and what feeds your mentality and emotional and physical and mental well-being knowing who you are and as a teen it gets confusing at times because you know life changes school changes hormone changes all all the things that you go through from 12 to 19 or even 10 to 25 yeah there's a lot of really big changes in there and with those really big changes are changes in friendships, changes in school, changes in, you know, what matters to you, what doesn't matter to you, right? When, when you hit a certain age, you know, boys and girls become interesting and (laughs) like, you know, uh, getting a job at a young age, understanding what your skills and abilities are. I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't, I've seen some companies moving towards this and it's instead of having a set regulation of what they're looking for for a specific employee it's finding an employee that's ideal that that fits within the team but un, unearthing what their strengths are and what their skill sets are and putting them in a position that focuses on those skills right you have an innate uh, you have an innate ability to communicate with adults and <clears throat> to have very healthy um, philosophical conversations with adults and yeah. that enabled you to create a business using your skill sets that is now successful and that right you thrive at. Yeah. And if, if you want, I can go into a little bit of finding, finding your identity when you're young, because I can, I can talk through a little bit of my personal journey. And if there's anyone out there who is 
um, either going either young and doesn't have a lot of life experiences or like when you're an adolescent, going through a lot of changing times, it's hard to zero in on who am I? Like, who am I really? Why do I matter? What am I trying to do? Like uh, there's so many options that my biggest problem. So if you don't mind, I can, I can share that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my biggest problem was that I didn't know there were so many options. I didn't know what to focus on. Right. Um, the only way, you know, write this down a sticky note. The only way to become successful is by focus, right? Whatever you focus on expands, you know? So basically I couldn't figure out where to put my focus and, um, it comes down to, especially if you're young, especially, especially, um, and you can talk a lot more about identity, but my, um, experience is that there's a couple phases okay there is a lot of experiences okay so if you're in a changing time and you don't know who you are where you are in a changing time that's good because you're getting a plethora of experiences right now to build out who you are right to to be able to retrospectively retroactively look back and see who am I from this or to get experiences, to get knowledge, to get wisdom, to, uh, and, and all that stuff. Number two, um, cut the fat. And that is, there are things that are slowing you down, guaranteed slowing you down from where you want to be, whether that's success monetarily, bodily relationships, learning, whatever. There's stuff that's slowing you down. You need to cut that out. And most of those things are excuses. If you cut out beliefs and values and activities that are holding you back, you start to become, by default, by cutting away the things that you don't want to be, you are becoming more of what you do want to be, right? That's my personal experience as far as you need to try a lot of different things and then cut out what works. Uh, what keep what works, cut out what doesn't work, right? So, um, I've had a lot of experiences. Definitely not as many experiences as someone far older than me, just because of time restraints, right? But um, I've had a lot of experiences, and then the way I was able to find out who, like, what I really wanted to do, who I really wanted to be was by trimming away the stuff about myself and about what I did on a daily basis and my beliefs and my values and what I held most dear. The stuff that I didn't like, I just started to trim that away. And it's just like um, Michelangelo had the quote about, you know, I see the angel in stone and then I, um, and then I freed him, right? By chipping away the excess. Well, you know, there's the angel in stone in there somewhere. And you need to trim away the excess and boom, you'll see who you're supposed to be by taking away all the stuff that you aren't supposed to be. Yeah. Um, you can talk a lot more about that. Obviously, that's just my perspective as someone who's very young, who's been able to find themselves very, um, very early on in life. Like I've known what I wanted to do. Like I, I still know what I, what I want to do. And I've known since I was very, very young. I'm going to be a missionary in Israel. I'm going to write hymns in, um, in languages who don't have a great hymnody. 
and I'm going to be financially free by the time I'm 25. I know this and I've known it for um, some of those things have been on my list for over a decade. You know what I mean? Just because you take away the stuff that isn't working for you, that you don't hold dear, put it out of your life, and then you're who you are by default, right? No, absolutely. It's the experience. Our experiences don't define us. And a lot of people assume that that is, and it's not our, we are who we are. And what ends up happening is that that individual person that we are inside gets trampled on by the opinions of our peers, our parents, our experiences, you know, all of these beliefs that we create that, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not successful or I'm lazy or I'm any of those things that you're told growing up piles on when you, you know, and especially when you're a kid, because kids are horrible. <laughs> and uh, let me, let me preempt sure. break that yeah. kids are horrible because they're taught how to be mean. When you go to school, kids are taught how to be mean. They're taught how to bully and they're taught how to, you know, and we're taught that by our parents, right? We're taught that by our parents. When we get to school, there's a bully who's been bullied by their own parents. They bully everybody else. And then it just becomes this never ending cycle, right? It's getting rid of those things. It's getting rid of, okay, I was bullied. What, who am I? Who am I now? You know, I'm maybe I'm stronger now because I was bullied. I know how to handle being bullied. So now I can stand up for those who are bullied, right? Our life experiences create opportunity. They create purpose and passion. And, you know, the fact that you were raised in a Christian household probably influenced your dad being a pastor, probably influenced, you know, your passion for being a missionary and writing hymns. A hundred percent. Yeah. You hadn't have been raised in that family. You might not have that passion, right? That's right. And, and so while our, our family life and our, and the way that we're raised do impact that it's not always the same. Yeah. And the key is that no one decided that for me. The key is that the passion is real It is influenced by the experiences, but it is my own. So um, something that is uh, interesting about what you brought up earlier is that, um, you know, if, if people, you know, if people only learn to be negative through something that was handed down from them, or people only learn to be positive through something that was handed down from them, well, then how come anyone is negative or anyone is positive? You know, like if people only learned how to be bullied by their parents, then how come anyone's a bully? Cause that means that someone would have had to be the original bully at some point. Basically what it is, is that people choose, um, everyone chooses their own origin story. You know, you can, uh, like you said, you can become stronger by having been bullied or you can have suffered very, very little. There are people who have grown up in Christian households like mine. There are people who have uh, had every reason to be the nicest people in the world who are horrible people. You know, and it's because you choose your own origin story and you choose your path, right? So, um, I think that it's definitely very dangerous to, um, like you pointed out, it's dangerous to assume that your experiences are who you are because not necessarily you have to really look at what values, beliefs 
are you holding dear? And what things are you doing? What, how do you treat other people? How do you treat yourself? Yada, yada, yada. What things are you doing? Because that is who you really are. You can change that, but you have to look at it. You know what I mean? You have to face it. And the, the quick little thing I wanted to point out with that is everybody experiences things different. So that the, the situation you mentioned about, you know, the people who should be the sweetest people who are raised in a Christian household, um, they may not have experienced it that way, right? Their, may, their experience may have been completely different. My daughter yesterday was crying and screaming because I'm controlling. And, but my level of control is I, I want what's best. I want her safety. Uh, my daughter, as uh, I've mentioned on the show before, is a type one diabetic, which causes a lot more, you know, concerns for health and safety. Yeah, and there's something she wants to do that I don't think is health and safety. <laughs> um, so apparently, that's fair. As I said, no, I was the you know horrible controlling mother, but um, but yes, but it is perspective, right? We, and you are completely right. We do have a choice. Our choice is how we how we experience it's how we learn it's how we grow i like you i was raised in a in an anglican household we went to church every weekend we you know mm -hmm. i went to sunday school and was very much raised in a in a religious household and in my teens i decided i wasn't i i didn't believe in god and i didn't want to follow a religious path and do I fault anybody else who does? Absolutely not. I, I love that you embrace your religion because that's, we're all different, right? Yeah. Our, our paths are different. Our purposes are different. Our, our meanings that we take from everything that we learn is different. And I, I love how you've taken those and created a young and successful life so far. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. So um, if I think we have like just a couple more minutes left, uh, there's just one thing that I want to add because I think it's relevant. Please do. Um, and it's about, it's about education. Um, if there's any doubt in your mind about, um, about college, if you're young, there's any doubt, respect that doubt because college is not for everybody and it really depends on what you do your time and attention are the two most valuable resources that you have college is an investment in money but most importantly it's an investment in time and attention sometimes your time and attention is best used elsewhere for some people focusing time and attention on college like the actual you know be there with professors the the good parts of college not drinking with frat brothers, you know what I mean? Um, focusing your time and attention on that is the best thing you can do for other people. It's a waste of time and attention. If something is a waste of your time and attention, then it is not worth it. You must, as hard as it is, cut it out. If it's a waste of your attention, you must cut it out because you have a very limited supply. And if, if you can like, if I could share anything with anyone in any stage of life, successful, not successful, whatever, no matter where you want to go, root out the things that are grabbing your attention and taking away your time that are not serving you 
and focus all your time and attention on the things that are productive and do serve you. Yeah. Because, um, and for young people in particular, there's a huge pressure to go to college when I think that, um, like I know, I know people who should not have gone to college. What? Because now that's the boomer generation telling the younger generation that they have to go to college to be successful. Exactly. The boomer generation didn't. Not all, not all, just for anybody watching or catching, if you were a boomer, <laughs> do not think right. that I'm talking about all, but it, it has been a statistic for, for that generation. So right. Exactly. So that's kind of my my parting thoughts. If you can take anything, put on a stick, put a sticky note on your mirror, you know, where am I putting my time and attention? Yeah. Right. I'm going to follow up with that. Your time and attention is should should always be you. Um, first and foremost to all of you, and this comes from somebody who is an expert in mindset and an expert in identity, is always, always put yourself first. You should be your number one priority. And if you put yourself as that number one priority, and think about what matters to you, what matters for your time and attention, like Abe was saying, you will find success because you are the creator of your own successes because success is a mindset. Success is not finances. Success is not your career. Success is what your mindset and your emotions tell you is possible. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Abe, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I was very excited for this episode. Um, I'll let you say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Melissa, thank you guys for watching. You've if you made it this far. You've invested your time and attention in this. So I, I hope you got value out of it. Absolutely. All right, just a family. If you want to connect with Abe or myself, you can do so. Our links are in the description. Again, Abe is a successful and young entrepreneur, so connect with him if you'd like to learn more. Um, today's episode has been sponsored by Phoenix Identity, who is offering you the ability to reclaim or claim your identity, no matter what stage or age you are at in life. Go and check them out at phoenixidentity.com. Please go like, follow, and share the show on whatever social platform you are on. We are on 12. Go to the website, sign up for our newsletter so that you can get advised of when we go live and what's coming up next. So thank you again, Abe. I really appreciate your time and your focus today. And I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye.